rejuvenated with kings and queens, what I'm trying to tell you is evident is black excellence in the building. The betterment for all men, women, and the children. I was elected to respect you and how you feeling. Now sit back and take notes, etiquette and posture, determination, education. You know that they watch it. It's dedication, elevation. So how can they top it? We unite across the nation. Hey, I hope y'all ready for this one tonight, man. We're gonna have a awesome, awesome podcast tonight. Get rejuvenated with the kings. Get rejuvenated with the kings. Josh, you ready? How's it going out there, everybody? I am Mario King, mayor of the great River City, Moss Point, Mississippi. I got a hometown hero with me today, um, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is also a graduate of Moss Point High School. He was the sports director for WAPT News Station. He's the, he was a new, former news anchor for WHIL. He is now teaching journalism, and tonight we got some very, you know, serious things that we're going to talk to you about. However, I want you to really think about what state our country is in right now. I want you to think about COVID-19 pandemic. I want you to think about names like Amy Cooper. I want you to think about names like Christian Cooper, George Floyd, and all the other people who are currently just in such a despair right now. I want you to take the time to pray for those families, to really reach your hand up to, to God and ask him to, to help us and, and pour some love into our country because we need it. We need it more than any time we've ever needed. We need it right now. And so I'm going to just start off by just letting Josh tell you a little bit about himself and we'll get straight into these topics that I know are very hot right now, but I know are very interesting and that people really want to talk about. So go ahead, Josh. Well, first of all, let me, let me say this. I owe you some money. Because you called me a hometown hero. I have to pay you later for that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Set me up. But no, uh, just, just thankful for the opportunity to just be able to jump on the podcast with you. Um, like you said, I'm Moss Point graduate, class of 2007. And um, went to school in Jackson, Mississippi, Belhaven University uh, for undergrad and in Jackson State for at grad school. And I uh, worked in Louisiana for a little while. Hold on, you HBCU grad? Uh, yeah, for, for, for grad. Okay, I'm, I'm an honorary Jackson State grad. Just everybody <laughs> knows. Sonic Boom of the South. That's all the way, it. we doing it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I uh, worked in Louisiana for a little while. And then uh, I was a sports director at WAPT, the ABC affiliate in Jackson, Mississippi. And then at WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. So, uh, I, uh, I'm i a journalist. And, and, and now I'm actually teaching journalism. So, uh, here we go. I'm excited to be here, and you know, Moss Point. This, this is my stopping ground. This is where I grew up. Uh, went to elementary school at Orange Lake Elementary, uh, Ed Mayo Junior High, and then Moss Point High School. So, so here we go. Yeah. So, growing up in our community, everybody knows that we have a community that's represented about 71% African American. It's been like that since we've been kids, and so we've seen a lot of racial disparities, racial tension, racial tension due to um, space and environment and demographics. So today we're going to kind of expand on our experiences and we're going to kind of relay our, put our personal experiences and, and, and what we know, really look at our anecdotal experiences and what we know and how we feel and kind of give our impression and opinion of how we feel um, these situations could, could be better or how we can help or how we can talk through them. But just we want you to listen to us. These are opinions of our own. And we own these opinions because they are our own. But we want to let you know that we we are speaking based on two black men, two educated black men, two black men that believe in the power of our blackness, two black men that are unapologetically black and two black men that really love and value being black. And so 
the first thing I want to talk about is a lot of times we got people that get out there and they, they, they talk a lot and, 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 and they make they lie on us. And so we got this new situation about this Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. And so Amy Cooper was walking her dog without a leech. So she was obviously breaking the law. Yeah. Right. And so she was breaking the law and then she came in and um, decided to call the cops on an individual because he asked her to not break the law. Mm-hmm. And what we think about, when you really think about the initial the initial comments that this individual made, it was to simply just to ask her not to break the law and to protect the environment. You know, Amy Cooper's dog was in the brushes, you know, which is natural, right? And then he asked her to keep her dog on the leash so that she can control her dog a little bit better. This guy cares around dog treats. This guy's a Harvard University grad. He has been involved in so many other positive things. I Let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah. What, what, what are we thinking, Josh? Well, first of all, um, this was another one of those situations, and I think it was timely, too. I think everything happened for a reason, because I guess this we'll get to a little bit later. We're talking about George Floyd and, and whatnot. But I think it was a one of, another one of those examples uh, where she just thought automatically um, that she was in the right. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, obviously she wasn't and we talked about this she since apologized but you know what what does that mean now i think Um, it means that white privilege just because and and i think that's the big thing about this i think mm -hmm. she's unaware of white privilege and apologies are are, are, they mean something right Mm -hmm. and and we value and feel like her warranted apology was 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 appreciated and valued but what the the thing is is as black men we think about the what could have happened and what still happens people still are going to talk down about Christian mm-hmm. Cooper. They're still going to disrespect him. He's still going to be antagonized um, on social media. People are still going to say he was wrong. People are going to still say A, B, C, and D. Who, they're going to minimize her, her ignorance, mm-hmm. and they're going to minimize her actions, right, to exacerbate what he did as a problem yeah. because he's a young black man. And, and I think sometimes people don't understand that. You know, you, you mentioned the fact, um, you talked about white privilege. And I'm a guy coming from the you know journalism field. My goal is, the number one thing that we learn in journalism is to be objective. Uh, you know, just down the middle and, you know, give them straight facts and, and that's how it goes. But when it comes to white privilege, I think sometimes we forget that for many white people in this world uh there are some advantages that they have or that they're ahead in the game that blacks you know are very far behind you have to remember for for 400 years we were enslaved so it was actually the law you know we could not vote uh, we were not to be educated uh we were mistreated the whole nine so there's a 400 year period where there's an advantage you're talking about advantages in terms of wealth you know financially you're talking about advantages in terms of education you're talking about advantages in terms of socioeconomic factors and so what if you don't as a people watch that movie two years a slave there you go you know where black people weren't even allowed to learn right and so when we talk about white privilege we want people to understand that this is a system of privilege this is 
over a course of time, these are learned behaviors, right? And we talked about this on the podcast with Dr. Eddie Glaude, okay. and we talked about the value gap between white people and black people and white people really understanding their privilege. But also, I think we have to hit another point on this that might not be that might be a little bit more uncomfortable is that black people have to understand that they'll never be white, right? We have to understand, like, there's a lot of people that are black that, that think that being, hanging with white people or associating themselves with white people changes the way that somebody like Amy Cooper looks at them. Because I want to be very clear on this to, to circle this back is that Christian Cooper is what people consider the white black person mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because he's smart he's a harvard grad he sits on the board of the audubon mm -hmm. society because he cares about this like that's not something common for african americans again another privileged piece of information that comes out of situations like this yeah. so when we digest this amy cooper situation and we call it the amy cooper situation because she's the one who bought all this foolishness on us and the reason that we have to talk about this on podcast but i think it's important that we do talk about these types of issues so that we can make everyone aware because everyone don't read the news everyone don't watch youtube everyone is not on facebook so those people that just listen to podcasts and actually listen to the or read the narratives from these podcasts you have the opportunity to now be able to hear about Amy Cooper. Yeah. But what I want to focus on is Christian. I just hate that Christian, our friend, our brother, mm -hmm. right? Christian Cooper, this educated Harvard grad, a place that many of us desire to get into, all races, yeah. all ethnicities, mm -hmm. all nationalities, all shapes, sizes, colors, everything, right? Yeah. He worked hard all his life to get to Harvard to write and edit for a a very noble brand yeah. that actually has a now a black can black panther a black he superhero black character we're, we're we're appreciative of those things exactly. right but this man could have been in the same situation as our segue discussion as george floyd mm -hmm. right he could have been put in that exact same situation yes, because somebody. of white privilege and because of somebody's uh, somebody lying on him mm -hmm. right how tacky is that yeah and what if we don't have cell phones? You know, what if we cell phones have helped a lot because a lot of these things now they're they're caught on camera and you know we're able to, um, you know, obviously it's been all over television and people are getting a chance to see George Floyd or Amy Cooper and and what she said and you know her calling the police and and saying that he's threatening her and it just it, it it's almost it's. It's not a laughing matter, but it, it almost makes you want to laugh because she literally called the police and said that a black man is threatening her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just... And her dog. And her dog. That was yeah. also... While, no while she was literally it. choking the dog. Yeah. <laughs> that, and he was giving the dog a treat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, overall, we think about, like, that type of stuff. And then, we, we I want to say this, too. When he say, I'm, Christian was lucky because he caught it on camera. Mm-hmm. George Floyd lost his life, but the only thing that caused any kind of ramification for those officers was because it was caught on camera. Yeah. Right? So, to the Amy Cooper, Christian Cooper situation, look, you can write us on Facebook, Instagram, you know, as Mayor Mario King on all those social media sites to talk about these things. We'll be posting these um, podcasts on there as well. But what I want to say is, is that... We have to stop allowing ourselves to 
be victimized and being afraid. But the way that we do that, right, the way that we do that, unfortunately, in today's society is by keeping cell phones and keeping and really, you know, the buddy system, not traveling alone Mm -hmm. as black men. Right. And and people can say, oh, this is that's not the situation. They're being a little bit extra. But I disagree with you 100 percent. You cannot travel along as as a person in my position. Right. Mm -hmm. And. As a, a, a journalist, right, you have seen these stories pop up a lot in all over across the country, right? Yeah. And the reality is we should not be traveling alone. We should be, we're not safe if we're traveling alone. We're not safe if we're going in a room with one person. And we're not even safe if we're, almost if we're going in the store by ourselves. Yeah. We're always judged. And it's always like the reality is there is a such thing as, oh, I'm scared of him because he's a black man. Mm-hmm. Amy Cooper is the perfect example of that. Amy, we appreciate your apology, but what what you have to understand is what you did and what you did was just create awareness for something that happens every day. Yeah. Is that white women lie all the time. Not that they're the only ones that lie, but white women in your situation lie on black men all the time like that. And that might not be something people want to hear, but that's the reality of the situation. And I just think that you should he rejuvenated you baby by completely not engaging with her so this is the teaching moment for us this is how we're going to rejuvenate everybody else the teaching moment from the Amy Cooper Christian Cooper situation right is that Christian didn't negatively engage you said a handful he he didn't engage in a negative way mm-hmm. he responded mm-hmm. do what you feel mm-hmm. He didn't walk towards or engage. She actually came closer to him. Mm-hmm. He stayed away from her. He social distanced from her. Good job, Christian. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, he remained calm. And he waited. Yeah. He was patient. And he refused to allow fear to overcome his ability to do what he felt was right. Yeah. And that saved Christian Cooper's life. That's it. So when we think about these situations, I want us to all remember that the way that we react to foolishness, racism, systemic issues is vital to our livelihood, mm-hmm. vital to our lives, our families. So our one decision from us responding in a negative way could be the last five to ten minutes of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we can end up with being in the chokehold. Right? With a forearm against our neck. We can end up being shot in the back. We can end up being with a knee on our neck. And so you got to be real careful at how you react to situations like that. Even if it's not true. Christian Cooper, we thank you for being an example for black men across the country. Because your ability to, to be quiet... Or to be calm. Mm -hmm. He wasn't quiet. He was responsive. But to be respectful when you were disrespected. Mm -hmm. To be so humble during that situation. And to be even accepting of the disrespect that you were given. Is valued and appreciated on so many levels. And as as a young man. As a black man. As a man. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example as to how it should be handled. Because oftentimes, I think 
Uh, you get we get in situations and we see people that know their rights and and they may very well be right. But I I, I will tell anyone I'll tell my son eventually when I have to have that talk with him is just get out of the situation alive. You know you'll have your day in court and things of that nature. I can guarantee you right now uh, for those and you can go down you know a laundry list of individuals who have gone back with police officers and saying, you know, I, I know my rights are resisting, uh, so-called so resisting arrest and stuff like that. I can guarantee you their mothers, their fathers, their loved ones were saying, uh, that's fine, that's dandy, but like at the same time, like just get out of the situation, whatever it takes, go along with what they say, because you really, like, you, you know at the end of the, end of the day, who's right and who's wrong but if you don't get out of that situation and you cannot speak up for yourself in court you know it, it's at the end of the day what does it mean like what does it mean like and so you know i i think about ahmaud arbery um who you know was in a situation uh where you know they were coming after him and whatnot <sighs> like again we don't know all the details but if I'm Ahmad, I can guarantee you his mother right now is probably saying, don't even have any type of, you know, he looks like he was running away anyway, but don't have any type of converse, don't converse with them at all. Just get out of the situation. Even if you know, hey, I've done nothing wrong. Like I'm running in this neighborhood. I should be running this neighborhood and I have the right to run in this neighborhood just as well as anyone else does. But at the end of the day, you know, and when you're in those situations and you know sometimes the law is not on your side, get away from it. And, and it's then, never on our side. Exactly. For it, what it looked like. It's, it's, it's like we, we can't trust it. We can't trust it. Can't yeah. trust that it's on our side. And like Ahmaud Aubrey, what I would say is that this young man was literally running. And I saw it. He avoided them at all costs. Mm -hmm. Right? He, 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 they forced him into the situation. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he had no way out. Yeah. He was forced into a situation that he tried to eliminate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And continued to run and, and words. They literally stopped their vehicle, got out with rifles and pursued him. Gave him no other choice. Yeah. He gave no other choice but to fight back. Right? And I I just I those type of situations I, I think and we're gonna talk about timely arrest. We're gonna talk about why these situations get out of control and the dependability of the justice system and the the time and effort, you know, the right to a fair and speedy trial, mm -hmm. those types of things that we really are, are are not really seeing, right? Yeah. And what is a speedy trial? Like what does that really mean? Okay. And so what, what when a person is, is shot down and murdered, uh, why does it take three months? Before they're indicted. Mm -hmm. Because we know. If a black man steal an oatmeal pie. Out of the, the, the corner store. He's going to jail immediately. He's charged. He's going to jail. Right. So why can't the same happen for a white man. That gunned down someone like Amar Aubrey. Who clearly was trying to get away from them. I don't care what anybody say he did. Or what they thought he did. Which was proving that he didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I think that at the end of the day. We must look at the facts. And the fact is. Is that. There was no, he was not posing a threat whatsoever at the point that he was gunned down. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what's so hard about us really looking at the facts and being able to identify the facts of a case and then making a decision. Mm -hmm. And no arrests were made until that video was leaked. Like, How? That's the, that's the, 
That's the problem to me. Like, you think the investigators didn't have the video prior to it being looked? They they've seen the video, and in addition, and he was on a public street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in in addition to that, of course, um, George McMichael was you know he had connections with several you know several uh, district attorneys. You know they had to recuse themselves because he was connected to them. They didn't do that fast enough either. Yeah. Immediately once as. Look, as a mayor, sitting on, I have board members that I have a board member that may work for this organization, and another board member that might be uh, work for this organization. Immediately, they're recusing themselves of votes, mm-hmm. not abstaining from the vote, but re- like completely eliminating themselves immediately when it happened. Yeah, I've seen um, when a case comes down in the city of Moss Point, we we've had an officer involved shooting too, where we had a white officer shoot a. Um, black individual Mm -hmm. immediately the city was recused from the investigation on the site of the investigation so we know how this works right i know how this works they should uh, immediately immediately Mm -hmm. it was taken over by another um, law enforcement the state law enforcement agent yeah agency and until then the other local agencies came together to keep the scene covered Mm -hmm. until a fo- until the the state law enforcement agency could come down, which was the Mississippi Bureau of Investigations, mm-hmm. the same one who GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, that's handling now the Ahmaud Arbery case. Mm-hmm. DA should not be nowhere near that. Yeah. Because even though he's not currently on the police force, he should be. This he was a part of the police force, which means a re- as a conflict of interest. For sure. So, so let's talk about the amazing gentle giant, as his brother calls him, George Floyd. And look, you guys. The first thing I want to say is is how, just how trifling this this individual. If you watch the video, was lunging on his neck like he was exercising, pre- putting pressure up and down, up and down, while his three counterparts sat and watched. Mm-hmm. The mother said that somebody graciously recorded the video. Right? They she graciously felt that she felt grateful that she recorded, and I'm pretty confident that. If the video had not happened in the Amy Cooper incident and the George Floyd incident and the Ahmad Arby incident, we would be sitting in the same place we was with Trayvon Martin. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, talk about a little bit about George Floyd. Yeah. I think the deal with George uh, is this. First of all, I'm, I'm so glad that there was video proof and video evidence uh, that uh, I guess it put it in front of all of America we're able to see now what happened was there excessive force yes uh, you can obviously you know see if there's excessive force um, but let me let me let's let me say this too even with the George Floyd situation what I do want to uh, I guess a, a shout out to the Minneapolis Police Department and the police chief, uh, he fired all four of those officers. Uh, more so, the mayor has spoken out, and he's in support of you know a full and thorough investigation. And as of yesterday, he comes out and he says that the officer, the one that we see in the video with his knee on George Floyd's neck, he says he should be charged with murder because he said if it's anyone else if it's me or if it's you that does that said we're charged with murder why is it any different 
for a police officer. Uh, so I want to commend the city, the, the mayor there, uh, as well as the police chief for doing this and doing it expeditiously because the longer you take, you're talking about the, the riots and the uh, uh, the uh, violent protests that are taking place now. It would be, I think, 10 times greater if he doesn't do this as quickly or they don't do this collectively as quickly as they have done it. And so I want to start off by saying like, I commend them for doing that. The point is, this man's life is gone. And no turning back. Playing, I'm sorry. There's no turning back. No turning back. You cannot get that life back. Yeah, let's let's move forward and and do it, handle the investigation the correct way. But at the end of the day, this man's life is gone, and it's because uh, an officer used excessive force. You know, I don't. We can talk about it whether it's a black person or a white person that killed him, and obviously it was a white officer. But I don't. At the end of the day, it doesn't. Like this officer killed someone. That's a life. That's a life, and that life matters. And uh, to me, like that's, I, I see a reason for people to be upset. Now, probably what we'll talk about in a minute, uh, how you go about handling or how you um, handle your frustration. Reactions. And that's a, another can of worms, but I guess we can get into it. I don't want to. Yeah, so I, I'll say this, is that my discomfort with the George Floyd situation is, again, as a municipal leader, I am. Um, I see a lot of these types of situations, and I think about how would I have handled it. And number one, it's very difficult for municipal leaders, such as mayors, any anyone, mayors, police chiefs, to make difficult decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but it's not difficult to make decisions that are warranted. Okay, it's difficult to make a decision about layoffs, difficult decisions about laying people off, about um, are we going to cut this senior citizen program versus this uh, this this child program. But when it comes down to a decision where you clearly see and are able to make a clean judgment that that was wrong. Yeah, this I commend the police chief for determination of all four officers and I, I was proud to see the parents. They actually did the same thing. But I also commend the mayor for his words of encouragement by saying that not taking a side, but actually speaking the facts as a leader. He spoke like a true leader. This is the problem. There's so much inequity in the justice system that we're having to deal with and face as black men. The only way that we're going to be able to adjust that and create that is by creating laws and electing leaders that look like us, but also people that's willing to create policies and make statements like that mayor made. Mm -hmm. Right. Because oftentimes, even I want y'all to realize something. There's a lot of these situations happening. Right. There's a lot of this going on, Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of people like George Floyd, Trayvon Martin. You know, there's so many people, Christian Cooper. But look and see the black elected officials that are willing to share these stories mm -hmm. on their Facebook, mm -hmm. on their social media. They don't want to do anything to offend a potential vote. Mm -hmm. This mayor stood for what was right. Mm -hmm. And didn't care about the backlash. Yeah. While he had riots and all types of other foolery going on, he literally stood for what was right. Mm -hmm. And so those are the types of things that I really can value and appreciate about someone like that. But this is the other piece of it. Now, they were terminated. So what's the next step? Mm -hmm. 
We want to see them charged. Yeah. Why is it taking so long? I, I that's my that's my problem. Mm-hmm. You you submit that information. You act. Look, I'm gonna tell y'all. You can get a grand jury called quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, in some states, I can't speak for that state, but I can't speak for Mississippi. What fears me about grand juries in Mississippi is that most of the time when you have these types of, if, if these situations happen in Mississippi, the grand jury is going to be compromised of about, you know, you have to have either 16 to 20 grand juries in Mississippi. And I can assure you that out of that 16, and I think you have to have, um, I can't think, don't quote me on this, but um, you have to have about nine to indict. Okay. And so it's either eight or nine. I'm not sure. And so a lawyer can get on here and correct me later. But the thing is, most of the time, the number that you need to indict will exceed the number of white members on the jury. Okay. So you might have two out of the 16 that might be white, or you might have five out of the the 20 that might be white. And then you need less than the amount there to indict. Mm -hmm. And as an African-American man, I'm not calling every person racist, but it does I'm in so much fear, even as an elected leader, right? As an elected leader, every day I live in fear when I go into the city hall because anybody could make any kind of claim on me and I can be indicted, which could ruin my life and reputation due to a false statement like Amy Cooper made, right? Or I could be in a situation like George Floyd or anybody like that and I'd be dead and my, I know my family won't see receive the justice needed because they are going to be faced with um, the my like the people that my accusers, even though I'm the victim, my white accusers and my black coon asses are going to, oh no, I don't want to piss anybody off yeah. and they're not going to make decisions that are going to be, they're going to get me the justice that I need. Mm-hmm. In addition, we have these other, we have organizations and people that get out that put their political ambitions on the forefront. Okay, and then start taking away from the reality of what the situation really is. Mm-hmm. And so, then when all of this stuff is happening, it's, it convolutes the process. Mm-hmm. It makes the, the, the water, it, it starts thickening up the water. You add more flour to the water, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it's time for an actual decision to be made, we've added so much chaos into the situation which have stirred up so much anger and frustration in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, we're starting to, we've seen it in Ferguson. We've seen it in, um, now in uh, Minneapolis, yeah. where people are coming in and rioting and tearing up their own communities out of anger and frustration. And what hurts me to see stuff like that is, is that when they tear up a police car and as, as a mayor, they're going to just raise their taxes. Mm-hmm. They're going to raise their utility payments. Which is another systematic oppressive issue that we all have to face because in under, I'll call them entitlement communities, which is communities that are below the poverty belt. And so these entitlement communities are in communities that have a high, I would say more than 20% of of people that are on government assistance and it, and there's a white or black people. We're tearing up our communities, and these people are trying to own houses or trying to use use 
programs that are essential to their quality of life, mm-hmm. programs that they need that will end up getting taken away as a punishment, mm-hmm. right? As a punishment because of the riots yeah. that they didn't cause, uh, the riots of people coming into their communities angry and creating these things. And what I want to say is we need to have and we need to have a Christian Cooper attitude about how we move and how we shake after we are targeted, after we are hit with extreme violence, after we are murdered. In order for our efforts to be sustained and to truly be powerful and and to make a difference, we have to react different. Yes. It's a must. Yes. It's, it's a must. And I don't mean to inter- interrupt. No, go. But I said this earlier. Um, I think about the Michael Brown situation in Ferguson, Missouri, and you see where there's looting and there's rioting and there's you know, uh, violent protests. And it's like the rioting that's going on, it's in the area where they live as opposed to the communities that they're you know um, upset with and whatnot. And so they're messing up their own communities, as you said. And more importantly here, anytime you have a situation like the one that you have in Minneapolis. And what you're looking for, what you're fighting for, is to, uh, I guess, kind of close the gap between law enforcement and the public. And you want them to see your side of the story. But what you're doing, essentially, when you're going out there and you're uh, violently protesting, you're rioting and doing things where police officers have to, you know, have you know have the tear gas out and have to shoot the rubber bullets and stuff like that what you're essentially doing is you're widening that gap between law enforcement and the public and so you're not you're you're definitely not going to be heard that way because they can't they can't hear you because first of all they don't uh there was a a scripture I was doing in my devotion earlier today, and it says, "Fools give full vent to their rage." Proverbs twenty nine eleven. But the wise brings calm in the end. Hmm. Like you cannot, you can be angry, you can be upset, but how you act after it's all said and done, like that's the, we have to have conversations. Christian Cooper. Christian Cooper. That's the perfect example as to how we should handle it. I want to say something else too because it was a, a great point, but I didn't want to uh, interrupt because, like you you said it uh, so eloquently. But when you were talking about the the lack of representation in, in terms of you know African Americans, one first of all, we need, and I think this is so important, we need the help of white leaders because, and the reason that I say that, and we mentioned it earlier. Since 1837, period, in U.S. history, there have only been four black governors, period. Only four black governors. Two of those were not even elected. Two, you know, they were uh, uh, put in office because the uh, governor was had resigned or was, was um, um, pushed out or, or what have you. And so you have situations like that. And then even in the state of Mississippi with the highest percentage of blacks, uh, th- between 35 and 37 percent blacks, we have never had a black governor. And I, I think about it sometimes. We've actually had a black president of the United States of America, all 50 states, before we've ever had a black governor in the state of Mississippi with the highest percentage of blacks. And so, and I'll, I'll speak to this, too. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'll tell you is there's a lot of blacks elected in the state of Mississippi, but they're in more of what I call the legislative roles of government. Mm-hmm. They're not in the executive branch, which means that they're not leading. Mm-hmm. 
And the other piece of it is, is again, like you said, like it brings back to my earlier point, when you have these black leaders, they're too focused on, a lot of times, they're too afraid Mm -hmm. to talk about these types of things. Mm -hmm. They're too afraid to make tough decisions. When we think about the COVID-19 situation and my disagreement with news. I got calls from MSNBC, Mm. some of our most popular newspapers in the country and some of the most older newspapers in the country just because a black man was willing to stand up. Yeah. And I think people don't understand that it's not about, it wasn't about Democrat or Republican at the time for them. The newspapers did not understand, oh my God, we got in Mississippi, we got a black mayor in the executive branch of government that is standing against Mm what the governor is saying yeah they're so used to people being washed away and that oh you know what we're going to give you this much money well i i feel like when we we think about these black leaders we need to have some type of training again we got to create policies for we got to create policies for black people because policies were not created for black people yeah and until we can get people that are willing to make those decisions right Policies for that, that stop making policy for other people, children and other people, communities that they wouldn't make for their own communities. When we can get people to stop doing that and really start making decisions that are, are for everyone and that are equitable, I think we'll be in a much better place. Mm-hmm. But right now, we got to get people to understand where they are, too, mm-hmm. and get people to understand, like, this is your situation. This is this situation. You will never be in this situation. Okay. And again, when we think about Christian Cooper, I think he resembles all of that. Like you said, timing is everything. Yeah. Christian Cooper is is the most amazing, one of the most amazing black men. He he's doing what he wants to do. He is living his dream. He obviously loves nature and he serves on the board. Yeah. He obviously is very intelligent. He went to Harvard. He obviously loved comics and loved writing. He was the editor of Marvel. Mm-hmm. This this man is is absolutely amazing and exudes what what you want your career to look like. Exactly. Exactly what you doing what you love and making money for it mm-hmm. and getting paid for your skills and your hobby. When you work hard like someone like Christian Cooper and you 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 have an understanding of of systematic oppression and 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 systematic issues and systematic racism, you're able to probably react and, and do things a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and not that he, not that people like Christian don't get angry, but they know how to channel their frustration and anger in a different way. Mm-hmm. They're patient. Yeah. One thing that I don't have that I think I've learned, I won't say I don't have it, that I've learned is patience over the course of, especially as being the mayor, because I get angry, angrier with my black counterparts. Yeah. Because they don't know than I would than my white counterparts. Because I think when we get to the table, it's, 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 it's so important that we know. Yeah. It's so important that we read and that we understand so that when we're making our decisions, we're making intentional decisions. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, that's what we get messed up at. We're making these off-the-wall decisions. Yeah. And I think when we get to people like George Floyd and we see our community in an uproar, they're making these off-the-wall crazy decisions. Just like the people that are serving in these elected positions, mm-hmm. they're we're leading by example. That's a great point. That's so when you think about it all, you put it all together. Look at municipal government. Look at the federal government. Look at state government. Look at the chaos 
between Democrat and Republican. And let's be real. Most people out here think that most Democrat, if you're black, you can't be a Republican, but there are black Republicans. And if you're white, you can't be a Democrat, but there are white Democrats. So we have to really begin to educate our people on what democracy really looks like mm-hmm. and what conservatism really look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are issues that I think that as a, as a leader, we have to start doing a better job at teaching, right? I always tell you, this is a teaching moment for you. And then we say, you've been rejuvenated, mm-hmm. which is what this podcast is all about. Okay. It's making sure that people like us share our stories and share our experiences and use anecdotal experiences to be able to to push power and knowledge into our communities mm-hmm. so that when they turn on the radio that they're not listening to that foolishness, but they're listening to some something positive. And while these are negative situations, our goal here is to rejuvenate your mind, is to instill some new value in you that we've learned from other people. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just learning what people taught us. My dad was murdered when I was five years old. And... you Right? So, but... When people look at me, I've had people say, oh, you know, I'm so, I didn't know your dad passed. You know, they, they say things like that. We, we, and, and not to digress, but people look at me and look at my position and, and place of, of what they consider my success and think that I grew up in a, 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 with a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. But I had a strong black mom, mm-hmm. a black woman, right? Where other people have, mm-hmm. have parents, right? And. And probably are in worse situations. But I think our assumptions about communities um, as a whole needs to be halted. And we must seek to understand, like, be culturally competent. Okay? And so when we think about George Floyd and we think about my issue with this situation is that um, my issue with this situation overall is that, number one, that a man died that didn't have to die. Mm Mm-hmm. Number two is that the charges have not been brought forth fast enough and that I'm not confident in the justice system. Do I think something will happen in this situation with the leadership of the municipal government pushing and not agreeing or are, are really, really leading a charge vocally mm-hmm. in the media? I think that will help. But I also think that it's not helpful that we are our reactions are being are, are very angry right now, yeah. and I think it alleviates and gives people a little bit less incentive to make decisions. And what we have to understand as black people is, oh, yeah. we are pawns to many people. It's a sad day in America, but you see it every day. But we have to do a better job at how we channel our anger and frustration in these type of situations and to keep christian cooper's name alive i think we need to have what i would call a christian cooper attitude yeah hashtag christian cooper attitude i, I totally agree and, and to just piggyback off what you said uh, we need to watch how we channel that energy is because ultimately what you're fighting against is what you need help from and i oftentimes say that we, we talk about that um just think uh, back to Mississippi, where we said that you know, with the highest percentage of blacks, we you know, with thirty-five to thirty-seven percent. That tells me that, regardless, as a black man, I don't care. Say if um, I guess Johnny Dupree was the last uh, black person to run for governor, 
he could have had every single black person that we know, you know, everyone's not registered to vote, but every single black person in the state to vote for him, 37%. And as long as every white person voted for the white candidate, it does not matter. We will, and it's even worse in more other states because we have the highest percentage. So what I'm saying is we need the help from the whites. And so when we can't be even at the table or we're not heard because they can't hear us based on us going against them. You know, we have to at least be at the table so we can express, hey, this is how we feel. But the approach of expressing that is not going against them. It's stating peacefully, as what you saw like Dr. King did and whatnot. Oh. That, that's the approach to take. Every time Dr. King was arrested, he wasn't fighting. He was, and, and, and mind you, he was fighting for something like, obviously, you know, Civil rights, that, that's what he was about. And I think that's the approach that we have to take because the violent protests and all that stuff, like they're just tuning you out. And Ignoring the help you. that you need is there. Like you can't, and you even have, you have a white mayor that's saying, I'm in support of you. So like, just just be patient and like, like whatever it takes, work with them because regardless I don't even okay we talked about in Mississippi we could have every black vote for the black person it still wouldn't matter as long as every white votes for the white person but in America in general you know you're talking about 76% white 13% black you know at the end of the day we're a minority and at the end of the day I tell people all the time you're in another man's land and essentially you've got to play by their rules I don't care how you spend it. Yes, we're taken from our country, but you're in another man's land and you have to play by their rules. And I think it's so important for us. If we're ever going to win, we'll if we sit the, across the nation, say black people, we're going to ride and we're going to kill. You're never going to win that way. They're 77 percent white. The numbers, they're not in your favor. You have to have some type of support and you have to realize that everyone that's not the same skin color as you is not racist use the the support and the advantages that, that you do have but i can guarantee you if you're going against them and the, taking those negative approaches as opposed to taking the route that uh, uh mr cooper did you're headed in the wrong direction and i think that's what we have to realize yes understand that there are disparities disparities understand that they we 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 have and i think about it and i tell people all the time like when i talk to older african americans sometimes they don't understand where i'm coming from when i say we it is their land and we have to be able to get at the get to the table and get them to listen to us and they say no we've got to keep fighting we've got to keep fighting we've got to keep fighting because i can see it from both perspectives you know, I, I understand that, yes, we were enslaved for 400 years. I understand that for 400 years, we could not vote. I understand that for 400 years, we could not be educated. I understand for 400 years, our women were raped. I understand for 400 years, we worked for free. When I was in Jackson, I'd try go by the Mississippi State Capitol all the time just for work. Blacks, slaves built the Mississippi State Capitol. And the fact that we have the highest percentage of blacks and not one time has an African-American been able to be the governor at, or been able to be at the governor's mansion. And we built America. We built America. And if, for people that don't like I understand that, I understand for the older people that 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 you, they understand like they're like civil rights. We fought so hard. Yes, I get that. 
But at the same time, what I'm saying is this. You have to find a common ground because if you want to make it even just be in the room, if you want it to have your voice heard, you have to find some type of common ground with the majority or we will never be heard because we are so outnumbered. And I think we do that with love. Yes, I'm angry and I'm upset. Scripture tells me in Ephesians 4.23, be excuse me, be angry and sin not. I should be angry and I should be outraged. But how I react mm. is a different situation. How, how, like, what are we doing? Like, because I can guarantee you, the riots in Ferguson, Missouri, the riots in Minneapolis, what, how, how is that helping? We do this every time. We do it with Trayvon. We do it with Eric Garner. We do it with, um, Michael Brown and Ferguson, we do it. We're doing it here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We How see no justice. Help? I'm sorry. And we see no justice. We see no justice. But I can guarantee you the approach that does work was Dr. King. Dr. King and his philosophy would have never worked if he didn't realize I can't do this because I'm like dealing with blacks alone. I have to have some type of whatever you call it, crossover appeal. And his was JFK, John F. Kennedy. You have to be able to at least work. And so I think with us as African-Americans, we have to make sure too, while we as black men or as, as blacks in general, while we can stress the fact that there are disparities and while we have to put it out there and we have to uh, bring it to the forefront that there is police brutality, that there are so many things that are wrong with the world. Yes, for 400 years, but at the same time, we also have to realize that we need help, that we can't do it alone, that we're in another man's land. And mind you, we're also 400 years behind schedule. That's look. So we need their help to catch up. And sometimes, like in places like Mississippi, I never thought that my greatest issue Okay, my greatest issue, the, the, the greatest discrimination that I've seen in the state of Mississippi is the discrimination against women. Mm, preach. That have been, oh my God, I've seen women. It, I have joined the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. right? But I tell people this too. I've had my issues with white men. Mm -hmm. But I've had my issues with white men since I've been born, yeah. right? It's always been a system of oppression. But what I tell people is... Is that as a young man, as a black man, and as a man, period, in the United States, I don't tread lightly on how I feel or what I say or, or what, what comes up or what comes out. But I make sure, I make sure that when I'm at the table, I'm prepared. Yes. I make sure that when I'm at the table, that I'm ready. Mm -hmm. That I make sure that. I'm going to have just as much as the, all the rest of the people at the table. You know, what this, you know, catch me with my pants down. Yes. yes. You hear me? But the other thing is my reaction sometimes has gotten me in trouble, but not because it's been an angry reaction, because sometimes people don't like to hear the truth. Yeah. But that that's OK. But what we what what I think we're, what we're trying to say is, is that. When it comes down to how we react in the community, and I dealt with this in my community, I dealt with a um, officer-involved shooting. It was completely different, but I dealt with this in my community. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with this in other communities. I lived in Memphis. I dealt with these types of situations. 
the 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 problem that we have with 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 how we react is is number one is unlearning the behaviors from 400 years mm-hmm. but also going back to our issue is is getting white people to understand white privilege mm-hmm. and understand and being finally the other point that I said was being culturally competent and aware of the surroundings when you are slow to react to a community that's 400 years behind who've been dogged out, disrespected, hated, spit on, worked for free, treated Holes, badly. Dogs in Africa. Yeah. yeah, water spray with water hose. Even in a silent protest, you have to understand culturally competent that they're tired mm-hmm. and that they're at a place that wits in with racism and radical behavior, sporadic and erratic behavior from these officers that's supposed to be hired in to protect us. And they lose it. I'm going to tell you, the New York Times and I mean, the Los Angeles Times and um, this guy's name is you know, Frank Edwards from Rutgers University. He posted a study that says that the fear of black men has created a has created chronic stress. It exacerbates their mental health issues, and that it creates something in their nervous system that makes them react different. Wow. So, the Los Angeles Times posted a little bit about it and and kind of articulated a little bit, um, uh, really really summarized it. But it's important that you go and look at that study by Frank Evers because it talks about why these people are reacting this way. But the other piece of this is how do we educate our people from a top-down strategy? What are we doing wrong? Because we, we, we are not doing something right because we are getting these reactions. Today, I, I posted a picture on my Facebook, and please follow me on Facebook. It's Mario King, or on my page, Mayor Mario King. And this young lady, this white young lady, okay, she was between the ages of 12 and 16. She's standing on the corner across from City Hall, and she's holding a sign. It was a cutout piece of cardboard from a 24-pack of drinks because I saw the circles on the paper, right? And so I knew the size and I, I, I looked at it. It was a blue poster board with all, and the, the cardboard from the drinks read Black Lives Matter. Mm. The blue poster board that she had wrote out every name that she could fit on that poster board of unarmed black men and women who have been killed, murdered by these bigots. And these fools, these people who have abused their authority and power, who were hired in to protect us, who were voted on, some by black people, who were supported by black communities, come in and kill our people. She literally stood in a silent, this 12 to 16 year old white young lady who told me, I I turned around and I, I was with the city clerk and I stopped and I said, oh my God, I said, I was thinking, like, I was like, what's wrong? Tell me. I couldn't read her sign. So I took a picture of it and posted it because I felt it was so important that our community was able to see this young woman. Not just our community, but people across the country. I posted on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all social media so people can see a silent protest from a young white girl whose spirit was hurting and crying out for this stuff to stop. Wow.
She was by herself. Wow, that speaks volumes. In Moss Point, Mississippi, she was standing on the corner of Robinson and Main Street, our Main Street, where all the cars, all the Chevron's workers, the Ingalls workers, passed by every day and protesting in support of social injustice, police brutality. Yes. She had a blue poster board, you guys, with black writing, a cardboard piece of paper in the other hand, holding a sign, sweating. We gave her water. Because she felt the need to make a difference. And I'm telling y'all, this girl, she touched me so, she touched so many people in our community because nobody knew what she was doing. People started riding by to see if she was still there. Because we were standing over there because I was looking at a house over there. It's a very beautiful area. Yeah. But she, people was riding by. And, Mayor, where, where's the little girl we wanted to do something for? Yeah. Well, we will be honoring this young lady at the first board meeting because what she did today was was important to the system. That's how you make a difference. Yes. She's 12 to 16 years old. That's it. I went and found her house. I didn't even know her name. I went up that street. I was walking. I had to find her house when I couldn't see her no more. I was on my way to a meeting. When we got back, we found her house. Mm-hmm. I was knocking on doors to find her house. Yeah. Because I wanted to meet her mom and, yeah. and see, like, what is going on? What, what do y'all teach this? She getting it right. Yes, yes. But when I pulled up, there was a fear that she had mm-hmm. of being in trouble. Really? Because she was supporting Black Lives Matter mm. movement. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, you're not in trouble? She said, okay. I said, tell me your name. She told me her name. And I said, well, why is this important to you? She said, I'm tired of seeing black people die. She said that she goes to a school that were, and her exact words was, my school is mostly black. And I have a lot of black friends. And it's sad. She was, it was so sad. The little girl was hurt with her little fogged up glasses. Mm. She was just standing there with her little shirt on and her little, I'm talking about her little tennis shoes and her two sons that she made at home from recycled paper. She recycled, that stuff was from something recycled. Cut out cardboard. She literally created a story where she was just tired because she did not feel that her friends were safe. She was concerned. As Eddie Gloss said, you got to have a different concern about the people in your community, no matter what what way they treat you. That's how I feel about all people. People talk bad about me all day, but my response to them, I'm so glad Josh is here today because as a reporter, people are not going to like him. People are going to come at you on Facebook and social media, but our concern and our love like he said, you have to live. just because you mad and angry doesn't mean that you have to be sinful. We love different and we care different. Yes. And when you love and care from the root of your heart and from the stem of your veins, you can appreciate people yep. and understand that everybody has value. That's it. Everybody has value. That's it. And you also open your mind at that point in time and can understand the systemic issues of oppression and fear that black people have that are creating high blood pressure, hypertension, these diseases that are now in line with police brutality. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? That that black people 2.5% more likely to die of being 
murdered by a police officer than their white counterparts. And that's ages 23 to 39. So when we think about these things, we've seen people younger than that die, like Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. and um, Ahmaud Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's what, what I want people to understand. When we were watching the video again of the family, and we saw the brother crying out today on CNN, and the family says that the determinations are not enough, they are right. That is that is mild, mm-hmm. because we've seen police get terminated and then go get another job in another police yeah. precinct easily, easily, and it doesn't come up on a background which makes it illegal not to hire them, mm-hmm. okay? Unless they are indicted. Mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all, speaking from firsthand knowledge, the family said he could have been tased, he could have been maced, he was calling for his mother, like. And that was recorded. And people were asking them to stop. But you got these four, three polices that were, were just completely not in tune with what was going on. And one police just completely ignorant. Just the ignorance and the level of, 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 of no care that he had. Just zero care or concern. He should have never been in that position. Never. Would it, would it be wrong for me to say that the three that were watching essentially were condoning it because they didn't say anything? Condoning it, supporting it. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Okay. They were supporting it because, let me tell you something. And you guys, I've had black board members that went against white employees. I've had white board members that supported bad white employees. I stood up for both sides. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no way I was going to allow them to bring that injustice, that inequity into a city that I leave. I just yeah. wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Right? And I think that when we look at, um, overall, when we look at these type of situations, it's, it's almost it's almost like it's, 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 it's the mayor and the police chief did the right thing. Yeah. Because we can, we can talk about those issues all day, but at the end of the day, they did the right thing. Now we need the Minneapolis Bureau of Investigations to jump in and do their part. Yeah, we need an indictment. We need a charge. We need somebody to move forward with this case because you are only creating chaos in a community that was not broken before this happened. Yeah. So would you abroad now? I, I saw last night in Memphis there are riots. You know, in other places I saw in Chicago as well, and that's that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to close that gap. Uh, between law enforcement and, and the public and unfortunately it's it's getting greater and greater the distance that is and and I'm telling you um, this is a you know most people are calling this a public health crisis mm-hmm. and one of the reasons is we we're seeing an increased number in suicides we're seeing and in, in young people and we're seeing I'll tell you I, I'm I'm fearful when it comes down to especially being arrested outside the state of Mississippi, I feel like more m- most officers know who I am, and we have this little card, so I can pull it out and say, "Here, here's my mayor's card," okay. and it, it kind of calms me a little bit. No matter who pulls me over, what city, because I think there's a level of respect and like, oh, they're not gonna kill me. But I'll tell you, I was in um, Texas. And uh, no, we was in Louisiana on our way back from Texas, mm-hmm. me and a friend, and we were we were pulled over, and my friend was speeding, 
And so completely understand. I was literally at my computer in my lap doing some work. And the in Texas and in, in Louisiana, you get, you don't they don't they no longer come to the door on the interstate from it was raining outside, right? They no longer come to the door, so they asked a friend to get out the car. Okay? Mm. So when he got out the car, he they were yelling, he was yelling, yelling at him, and he was a black officer, yelling, black state trooper yelling. And I opened my door, he said, Close your damn door. Just yelling. I was like, Oh God. So immediately when I saw he wasn't coming, I called 911. Mm. Wow. Because of the 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 tone and my friend was so he was so mad. Mm-hmm. He was just like he at that point he didn't want to put his hands up. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't cooperating. Yeah. Because he was disrespected from the jump. And so the lady on the call, the the 911 call, she said just tell him to cooperate. Just tell him just to do whatever the police says. Mm-hmm. Just like you stated earlier. Just get out of the situation. Alive, yeah. Just get out alive. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people abusing their power out mm-hmm. there. But right now, we are focusing on the white men that are abusing their power in those positions against black people. Yeah. But there are uh, all races out there that are in those positions mm-hmm. that are abusing their power. They need to be taught. Mm-hmm. They need to be screened a lot differently. My wife is a social worker, and she did a training for for free for our police officers on how to handle situations, on how to handle stress. But what the whole public health crisis is the concern with African Americans' fear leading to more depression, more mental health issues, and more mental health problems in the black community. Raising children under this type of fear having to have discussions with our young men and even our young women yeah. about what's going on and, and how do they live and and that it's okay to be disrespected by the police but just get out alive. Mm-hmm. And it should not be like that. And I feel like that's what they want. Yeah. It's almost like some the racist bigots, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they want. They want you to retaliate. And if some of our people are not going to tolerate it, mm-hmm. And it makes me scared for them because I know for a fact that they that's what they want. Yeah. So they're going to lose their life to that. And, and it's not all of them. Like you said, it's, it's a couple of bad apples. But Chris Rock said it best. said some professions, you can't afford to have bad apples. American Airlines can't have a pilot that says, oh, he lands sometimes. Or he can't have pilots, you know, some of them land. Oh, okay, sometimes. Like, no, you... You need to be able to land all the time, all right? The time. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And those, and I, from from what I'm saying, we're seeing more and more of that. Where the bad apples, you know, we're seeing that on camera, you know, and and it's circulating more and more. So, but I think that that is the case. They want you to uh, retaliate in some way, and you know and you do have to you know you have to swallow your pride or if you don't swallow your pride which you don't have to you know your rights you can do that but also you have to live knowing that there could very well be consequences from that. and and you very well it shouldn't be this way it's not right i'm not saying that it's right yeah it's definitely not but right you could lose your life over it yeah so look we're going we're going to say thank you guys so much for joining us today at this point in time i'm super excited about Josh Jackson being able to be a part of this discussion Pleasure. And look, we want to say that the opportunity to rejuvenate you tonight was to just say, look, be safe. 
be careful. COVID-19 is still alive. It's still real. We have so many issues now in our country. And we just, you know, I just want you guys, we're going to continue to pray for you. We're going to continue to put your put your, your energy and your life at the forefront. But we're also going to continue to bring you the rejuvenated truth here, which is the, the facts. And the fact of the matter in all of these situations is, is that none of these people had to leave this earth because they were... There was there are other ways to treat these incidents, and that there are so many of us out here that are hurt and that are that are in pain because of these systematic issues that we've been seeing for years and years and years. But all white people aren't black, all black people aren't bad, and we have to begin to open our minds up a little bit to understand that and to be able to really, to really, to to really move forward in our country. We have to be more open-minded. There's no more room for bigotry, racism. Although we know it's out there, we have to be the system of change. We have to be our own change agents. And the way that we do that is by doing what's right. Again, anger with sin is foolishness. Anger with doubt sin is success. You guys have a great day, a great night, a great evening, whatever day or whatever time you listen to this podcast. Thank you and continue to get rejuvenated with Mayor Mario King and my guest. See you guys later. Until the next time. Bye-bye. Get rejuvenated with the kings. 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 Get rejuvenated with the kings.